Hi everybody, this is Trace Hobson from iConnect Expansion. Welcome to my conscious leadership vlog, The Speed of Presence, where the most important thing in life and leadership is to show up in the fullness of who you are. Welcome to this excerpt that talks about fintech and the transition that fintech is going through in a massive way from waterfall to agile and design. Now, I spoke with my friend and colleague, Jonathan Anderson, who lives in the Boston area. Jonathan lives and works in the fintech arena and has been working on that for the last several years. So we had a conversation about this transition from this old world to the new world and some of the tensions and challenges and even the fears that are being dealt with and navigated in that world. Let's go to him now. One of the biggest challenges we have is that digital has gone agile. But all of our internal partners have not, and they're resisting it because they have a lot to lose by going agile. Because they lose. how are they approaching the work now? Then if they're not going, at, if they're not quite in the agile way of working, they're, they're still keeping a waterfall. So when the agile team engages with them, they put them through all the rigor of agile. So even the agile team really aren't really working in true agile because right. there's no way to. They're trying to implement agile, but at the same time working with an old waterfall approach, and so culturally there's a transition going on and that's the piece that's missing in the agile transformation that I can see is that cultural equipping so that that can, that transition can happen more seamlessly and more in a more robust way. So when you look at those guys that are staying in waterfall, the technology partners Mm -hmm. and you've got the agile group, those two groups are the ones that culturally are coming up against each other. What do you notice that the, the, um, the waterfall group is afraid of losing when agile as a cultural option comes? What do you notice that they're, what's underneath the resistance? Um, I think number one is they just don't understand it, right? A lot of the senior leadership don't go through the training. Um, number two, I think they see it as less rigorous. Um, number three is, um, in, especially in banking or in technology, um, they, they want to be able to predict with 90% certainty what's going to happen over the next three years, even though it's never happened. And then you said, so they don't understand it and their resistance prevents them from understanding it too. Right. So, and then you said that it's not it's different. It's different than what they know. Right. And what, what they have to lose is, is an agile, um, you've got to put the, you've got to, with the decisions with the teams. You said something else that it was interesting. You said it's not rigorous enough for them. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, there's this perception that agile, you know, in, in a waterfall process, you go through like excruciating depth to uncover requirements, do a design, test it and launch it. In agile, you have an idea of where you're going, you just get moving, you figure it out as you go, you test it, you learn, you fail, you learn, you fail, you learn, and it evolves on its own. Waterfall, it's like, this is the end state, we understand what we want the end state to be, yep. and we're gonna drive to that. And so the perception is, is that in Agile, it's more of like a cowboy type thing. There's no rigor to it, right? There's it feels like fear to me, you know? Oh, it, it totally is. It feels like fear underneath that because, but, because the truth is that, I mean, when's the last time you did a waterfall project that was exactly the way it was supposed to be at, by the end of the project? Never. I don't think it's ever been one in the dawn of time. It, it, not any good project manager from a waterfall perspective, anybody that 
is really good at project management and coordination knows that the plan that you have today at the beginning is going to be crumpled up and, and lost a hundred times between now, at least a hundred times between now and implementation because the world changes constantly. So if, if you try to lock that into your deliverables from the front end in a scope document and you keep going back, you know, in that deliverable, in the, what ends up happening is that it just creates nothing but tension and rigidity in the project. And so it can't move to where it wants to go. And even if you eventually come out with that deliverable, the whole climate and marketplace is completely different. So it's, 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 it's not late. even relevant. It's, it's done. And, and the beauty of agile is, is that, you're by you kind of doing something, testing it, learn from it, make adjustments, test, right. build what wants to happen. In the old model, you're building what you think needs to happen based on all on intellect and nothing to do with intuition. It's all like, this is what, this is the end state we've got to reach. And so even when you're in it, the only thing they do is they don't pivot. What they do is they either, they decrease scope if they're, if they're going to run over they D2 scope, their only levers are add more money, increase scope, decrease scope. That's their only levers. There's nothing else they can do. They still have got to hit that end state that they've promised because they've got to hit the numbers. It's all about the money. And where it is is that when they sign up for these projects, they're signing up with saying, we're going to get this much revenue and we're going to get this much cost savings. And those are the two things that drive these things. So critical path management in, in a complex world doesn't work anymore because the critical path is always changing. And so you need a new set of tools and skills to be right. able to adjust and be in that state of adjustment and that, that sort of that ebb and flow that's going on all the time and be able to hold a space for the best path forward at any given moment. And that really is, for me, what Agile is all about and an iterative approach is all about, too. But it's really about the mindsets. Same thing with design thinking. Like, a lot of the design thinking mindsets are the same as to Agile. It's just that you're earlier in the cycle. Like, it's pre-work before you get to Agile. That's what design thinking does. But it's really that upfront work of really getting in there and empathizing with the user, the customer, whoever it is, and really seeing it from their perspective and understanding what it is what, that wants to happen for that person or that, that user group or whoever. But more than that, though, too, Jonathan, from, an, from a leadership perspective, though, it's really important to notice that it's about having a capacity for volatility. So when things are moving really, really fast, you need capacity for volatility. It's um, uncertainty. You need to be able to hold a space even though that uncertainty keeps showing up. You're not sure. You're not sure. You're not sure. You need to be able to have capacity for that. And then when you look at ambiguity, ambiguity is the idea that nobody knows. That's really what it is. Nobody knows the answer. In a linear world where you just go from cause and effect, you can predict what the answer is, a best case scenario, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a linear work breakdown structure or best practice will work, but in a complex uncertain, ambiguous environment, it doesn't work anymore. And so the capacity that you build, well, how do we build capacity? It's by using tools and skills that actually help you to go from the inside out, from a cultural leadership perspective, developing you from the inside out, then your team, then your organization. Right. You know, you've got design thinking, you've got agile, or like, let's see, we don't even call it design thinking, we can call it like human-centered design, right? So human-centered design, 
in Agile. And enveloped around that is the principles of TPLC, right? right. Or TPLA or transformational presence. And, and it's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's that stuff that allows that inside out work then for you to then be able to show up and do design thinking and go through the process and allow and use the tools to help you show, you know, that's why I said, I really believe that part of the work that we're going to do together, you and I, is to also create design thinking 2.0 because the current version is still very much based on intellect, right? It's, it's, it's better. It's better than what we're normally doing because it's actually asking you to step and try to look at someone else's shoes, but it's still doing it from that intellect side, the five senses. And what we're, what I see is design thinking 2.0 is we're now going to the whole body in all of our senses mm -hmm. um, to then discover what wants to happen and, and really trusting in the ambiguity and the unknowingness and that is the fear of not knowing. You know, in Waterfall, at least Waterfall gives them a tool set to kid themselves because they all know it's not going to work the way they want it, but they know how to get it back into control theoretically, which they never really do, but they, they kid themselves. Whereas in Agile, it feels like it's just like there's no, there's no bounds to it, right? right. There's, a, there's another component underneath that, though, too, because the whole thing is a mirage. The truth is that you can do all of your due diligence and all of your risk management and all of your you know, critical path management, work breakdown structure. You can do all you want with that. The truth is that at the end of the day, you really don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. See, what we're talking about is a completely different approach and a different way of working based on a foundation of presence and awareness that comes or awareness of what's going on inside of you but also what you can have in very deep awareness of what's going on outside and around you as well as you use these tools and skills. Because what I've, what's really given me a lot of um, hope and, and gratitude is that as I've used these types of skills and moved out of, you know, moved from command and control, and as I have embraced the uncertainty and learned how to actually be with all of that, because it's terrifying at times, let's be honest. As I've done that, though, what I've noticed is that I get to tap into a very natural way of connecting to the higher agenda of what wants to happen inside an, a team, a project, an organization, and it's very organic and holistic. It actually is just like an ecosystem in, the, in, in a natural world place, like the forest or the ocean, where what wants to happen, I get to be a conduit of what wants to happen and hold a space for that. And it serves me as well. It always does. It's just I've got to let go of my agenda long enough to let it. And then it serves the team. It serves the agenda of the organization. It serves everyone in a very powerful way. But even more importantly, the person, and I was one of them, that's, that's really so terrified that they're so focused on controlling in any way they can, it serves them too because it gives – it, it meets the longing inside of them to actually show up in the fullness of who they are too. Yeah. It feels so good to like, have that conversation with someone at work. What and do you notice about the way it affects the way you work? What? Being able to share that? Yeah. Being 
authentic and yeah because it allows me then to go off and do it because then i'm not afraid to make to to be who i am what's the quality of your time management like i'm spending less time worrying about what i hiding like who i really am (laughs) (laughs) and you get to show up in service with all your talents and gifts and what you bring right yeah this is this is so important we like everybody is looking for stuff um, like productivity and, uh, you know, results and profitability. And that's all, you know, we, those are good goals to have. There's nothing wrong with that. My point is that those are a byproduct of using the tools and skills that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And what you'll be really surprised by is when you use the tools and you get the byproduct, it's so much more than you could have ever manufactured mm-hmm. yourself so much more right and that's the really the message that i share with the with the executives that are in a position where they're they're controlling millions and millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars and they are saying why do you mean you know <laughs> let go and like slow down don't speed up it's important to notice too that this invites us to even be more accountable and, and to be stewards in a way that is, that demands even more of our presence. Yeah. Because when we're, when we're not living from who we are, we're under constant stress. That's right. right? Yeah, man. And when you're under constant stress, you're not able to function all that well, you know, cause you're spending a lot, you, you, you're very inefficient because you're spending so much energy on protecting this persona that you've created to survive. And now you're done with that. Now I'm done with that. You started listening to it. (laughs) I trust that you enjoyed that excerpt and that you're going to be able to take some of those conversational points and bring them back into your own environment and the transitions, transformations, and reorganizations that you're going through. If you enjoyed this excerpt or others in my vlog as well, please share it with others that are going through the same things and would like to have that support as well. And remember, I'm so looking forward to working with you either online or in person. But until then, remember the most important thing in life and leadership is to show up in the fullness of who you are. Thanks very much and have a great day.